0: Hello, it's good to be with you here again online. I'm looking forward to preaching this message to you today, and I really, really believe you need to really pay special attention. And if you have your Bibles, open them up to Acts 2, one of the most profound uh, passages of Scripture in the whole New Testament, because it tells us of the beginning of the church. So to begin with, I want to ask you a question. Here's the question. And I, I I want to honestly ask you this, and I want you to give yourself as honest an answer as you possibly can, and here's the question: the question is, how is your relationship with God? I mean, as honest as you can answer that, do you look back and go, "Well, there was a time it seemed to be closer—the time when I used to be with Him more, pray more, go to church more, be involved with people more, sharing my faith, thing, things like that"—or um, is now the time, as uh, you say, "Man, it's better than ever, and I'm growing like a weed"? And, that kind of thing. If you ranked yourself like a zero to to 10, would you give yourself a two or three or would you give yourself an eight or nine or where do you see yourself? Do you feel like you're progressing in that relationship with the Lord or not? You know, according to the Bible, there's like two elements or uh, two cords that tie us to God, two links that link us with God, um, the spirit of God and the word of God. And when you put the word of God and the spirit of God together, is when you really get what we're going to see today, and you're going to see in Acts chapter two. That's when you have church, <laughs> when you get the Spirit of God and the Word of the God Word of God in your life and in your heart. When a group of people get that, that's what church is. You're going to see that in just a minute today. I bet um, most everybody listening to me right now would say, "Yeah, I need more of that. Yeah, that that's why you're watching. I I want to experience that. I want to experience God. I need a deeper relationship. I need." I need church in that sense. I need the spirit and the word. Um, Today, I want to use these two chords, the word of God, and then I'm going to ask the spirit of God to guide you in your thinking and guide you in your conscience, in your heart, and in your mind. In the New Testament, many, many people heard the word of God, Old Testament and New Testament, especially in the New Testament. Many people are hearing Jesus teach, hearing the apostles teach, But not many people heard the word of God with the spirit of God. Not many people were filled with the spirit when they were filled with the word. In other words, not many people had church because they didn't have the spirit's filling. They didn't have the spirit. They just had teaching. To be church, again, it it takes the word of God and the spirit of God. And that's what we're going to learn today. It's really the same today as it was back then. Without the spirit of God and the word of God, we're not really having church. Really important right now, right? Or if we're thinking of reopening our church building and inviting people back in again and and kind of getting a chance to restart church, it's like, wow, uh, we need to think this through. Are we really experiencing the teaching of the word and and the spirit of God in our church? Are you experiencing it in your life is where it comes down to one by one, person by person. So I put down what's called the big idea of this sermon is this, to experience church is to experience the Holy Spirit. That's what we learn in Acts two, as we go through this study now in the book of Acts I did last week, which talks about waiting for the spirit. When Jesus said, start the church, first thing you gotta do is wait. That's what they did. They're waiting. Now, how do you get this? This is the big question. How do we get the Spirit of God in our church right now to restart it and reopen in the building? How do we get it in our own personal lives? How do we do that? Well, I want to show you. Let's do a little investigation of Acts chapter two, where the church actually started and learn how to do that. And I think the best place to start is prayer. So let me pray with you right now. Dear God, I come to you in the name of Jesus on behalf of everyone listening. And I pray that we could have church right now whether we're sitting in our living room or sitting at the kitchen counter or in bed or watching this on our phone or watching it on our computer. Lord, I pray for everybody here that you would help us because it's not even being together in a building. It's, we're together online. We can have church right here if we have the spirit of God and the word of God. Lord, Lord, teach us now your word and fill us now with your spirit. That's my request for every single person listening. So they won't just have the spirit. They won't just have the word. They'll have both of them and really experience church, even with me right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, I'm asking this for everyone. Amen. Point one in your outline reads like this. To experience church is to be filled. And I, I get that from Acts chapter two, verses one through four. So let me read it for you. And when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. (laughs) Wow. That's pretty spectacular. In fact, Let's let's just review some of the defining or descriptive words right there. It starts out by telling us this is the day of Pentecost. That was a Jewish day of Israel's celebration of a harvest. And, and, it, and it evolved by this point also into a celebration of the word. Isn't that interesting? They're celebrating the word of God here, the, the law. Wow. That's an interesting thing right there. We don't have time to investigate that live, but that's interesting to investigate. Next, notice the word together. They're all together to be church the word ekklesia the greek word for church means together people being together it's very significant i'm really excited about opening our building in october because we're going to be able to be together more than even online we're together online but it's so different as you know to being together in a building we need to be together again that's part of what church is so notice they're all together now those are two like human things you could you could do that without the Spirit. But then knows what happens. Then the Spirit comes. And we see things like there's sounds, like the sound of a a tornado or a hurricane. sound. It sounds like rushing wind, but there's no wind. It just sounds like it. There's fire, but there's nothing burning. There's just fire over their heads. It looks like there's fire burning over each one of their heads. And then they're all filled, filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to come back and investigate that further. But filled, literally the word means controlled. It's an evangelistic word, but it's also a word of letting God have total authority, yielding to him in your life. And then tongues, they were speaking in languages they had not been trained in, and they're speaking other languages. Now, several of these descriptions, the sounds, the fire, the filled, and the tongues are all divine. Like I said, the other ones you could do, we could all get together, and we could all celebrate Pentecost. That takes no spirit. But the other ones, it's like the spirit of God was there. It's divine. They're very divine. That was God doing that. Now, big question, why? why? Why do you think God did this? Why did it happen this way? Obviously, God's trying to get their attention to something. He's trying to get their attention to about what they're about to do, which is the Spirit filling them, controlling them. So whether it's the wind or the fire or the different languages, these were all symptoms or symbols of God taking control. Listen to me, listen to me. What this shows us is that church is much more than just a group of people, even a group of people studying the Bible. It's the group of people studying God's word and being in God's word and obeying God's word. Yes, but it's more than that. It's the spirit of God combined with that. That's what we want to investigate today. That I think is what's missing often in churches even today. So it's what was missing back then, and Jesus, is ge- Jesus promised it to him. So I'm pointing out it's not primarily an organizational thing, church, and church is not primarily educational. Church is not primarily social, primarily just for comforting each other and help. It's not primarily for rehab or helping us get out of bad habits and getting new ones. It's not primarily a team. It's primarily God's control. That's what spirit filling means church is primarily a filling by God. That's what he teaches us right here. I think it's bright and clear. Now, I remember when I was a new Christian, about 19, 20 years old, and I'm hearing about this. I'm seeing this. I remember reading Acts chapter two, and here's how I felt. Maybe you can relate to this. Boy, I still can relate to this. I felt like the tongues of fire and uh, the the speaking in other languages and 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 the sounds of rushing were like way up here, spiritual experiences. And then they go on and talk about miraculous healings. All things. these were like spiritual things. They're way above me. I'm living down here. I'm living like a regular life, and I'm feeling like I can't. I can't do this. Uh, I I'm just a regular guy. I, you know, back then I was just a student. Back then I was just a, a, a house painter and that kind of thing. Like, how could I possibly be filled with the Holy Spirit? It just seemed like impossible. I, this can't happen to me. How, how do I get there? If you're feeling that, you're feeling probably just what they felt. Because I remember a man giving me a booklet back then. It was called How to Be Filled with the Holy Spirit, written by Bill Bright, Dr. Bill Bright. He was the one that started Campus Crusade, now called Crew, and they worked a lot with college students. And I was a college student, so I, I had this little booklet that was blue, I remember reading. It. it changed my life, I kid you not. Because in the booklet, he described how to be filled with the Holy Spirit, how these people right there were no different than I am right now. They were Christians, but they needed to be filled with the Spirit. They were regular people. They were like house painters. (laughs) They were like construction people. They were like dishwashers. They were like workers. They were like presidents of banks, that kind of thing. They're just regular people. They're teachers, they're lawyers, whatever it be, doctors. They're just regular. And they're down here. How did they get filled? Well, it tells us right here. It was God. And all they had to do, like I said in, in last week's sermon, is wait on the Lord. Trust the Lord. That's that's all about faith. I remember reading this booklet, and he, he was just emphasizing that over and over again and showing different passages about faith in scripture and how it's simply taking your need, your problem, your situation, yourself, your identity, and saying, Lord, it's yours. So then he had um, some some helpful things there, like like these. I just want to read them to you. One was this: they were regular people like us, full of fear, anger, maybe even guilt, and all kinds of other emotions. They applied faith to what God's word said about the Holy Spirit, and they received the Holy Spirit. He used an analogy of a checkbook. He says, it's like you have money in the bank. It's already there. But when you write a check and it goes to the bank, that money is taken out of the bank because you wrote the check. He says, that's what faith's like. He says, you have the Holy Spirit. Anyone who's born again, anyone who's truly a born again Christian, you have the Spirit. That's what makes you born again. You're born of the Spirit, like it says in John 3. What's different though, is you're filling. Are you really filled or controlled by the Spirit? He's saying, you simply put your faith in what God's Spirit has already done in your life and say, Lord, take control, fill me. It's like giving a check to the bank and they give you some money out because you already have it deposited. God's spirit is deposited in every Christian. We're indwelt by the spirit. The only difference that keeps a person from just being indwelled to being filled is faith. It's all about a decision you make of faith to trust God. And then he went on to teach in that booklet, which still I do. And, 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 and you need to learn to do this. It's called spiritual breathing. The only thing that could separate me from being filled, the thing that would keep me away would be my rebellious spirit, my bad attitude, my anger, my greediness, my lust, my selfishness, my pride. In other words, Unconfessed sin in my life. You remember I quoted first John one nine last week. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's like a continual thing that needs to happen. He called that spiritual breathing. You breathe out your unconfessed sin to God and you say, Lord, I'm sorry. I got this bad attitude. Lord, I'm, please forgive me for, for not being loving. Lord, please forgive me for my pride or my selfishness. And then you breathe in by faith. Say, okay. Now fill me again. Now take control. I began to practice that as a young Christian and it was revolutionary. I still do that after 50 years of being a Christian. I do that in 40 years of ministry here. And that's what I've learned over 40 years is it's very key for you to do spiritual breathing, which is simply confessing to the Lord. Lord, I'm not feeling it. Lord, I'm not, I'm not understanding it. Lord, I'm not living it. Lord, come in, fill me. Reveal to me any unconfessed sin. Help me get right and clean so that I can be filled. The famous evangelist D.L. Moody used to say, you can't be filled with the Spirit if you're filled with something else. That's where the confession, the spiritual, you breathe out the sin so you can breathe in the Spirit. That's what we learn in the first four verses. Now, those chapters are very long, and I'm going to try and summarize the rest of it. But in point two, I put it like this. To experience church is to witness Look with me now at chapter two, what happens next. Okay, after it says they're all filled and began to utter different things in tongues, it says, verse five, now there were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in their own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these uh, who speaking men of, you know, just Galileans. Yeah, you see, they're all amazed. And then look at the, so they start mentioning all the different groups of people were there, the Parthians, the Medes, the Elamites, and it goes on and on with a long list of different ethnic backgrounds, different people. And they were all together hearing this in their own language. And he says, and all were amazed, verse 42, I mean, excuse me, verse 12, verse 12. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they're all filled with new wine. In other words, they're all just drunk, <laughs> even though it was in the morning. Notice some of the, the key words being used here, like to describe what was going on. They were amazed. People were astonished. People were perplexed. Uh, what does this mean? Uh, and then others mocked. It tells us that all this stuff that happened, whether it's the sound or the fire or uh, the the tongues they'd be able to speak different languages were not just for the disciples as much as it helped them to pay attention to what god was doing it was to help other people pay attention to what god's doing often god will work in our life not just for us but to be a witness all we're doing is witnessing all we're doing is telling people what god did that's what a witness is it's not that complicated here's what god's done in my life here's how god Talk to me. Here's what God teaches me in his word. Whether it's a Christian you're talking to or a non-Christian you're talking to, you're simply witnessing what God does. God did, excuse me, or what God does. Imagine the crazy scene. Sounds kind of like the crazy scene today, doesn't it? Hurricane winds, they had winds. Fires out west, we got fires. Like they had a fire over their head, but we have actually things burning. COVID virus. Could this crazy scene in our day Literally be calling people in America to God, to pay attention to what he's doing. Could it be God letting this happen even around us as the church to say, hey, pay attention. This is me. I'm, I'm trying to say something to you. Could this be God saying something to you personally? Often in our life, situations, circumstances, problems, difficulties, conflicts, needs, unmet needs, our God screaming to us in our pain saying, I'm right here. I'm right here. You can have my presence. You can have my filling. Just turn to me in repentance. Turn to me. Be filled. Um, I also want to read on. I I would like to spend more time there, but look what happens next because next Peter, the head apostle, stands up and says, hey, these people aren't drunk. Actually, this is a fulfillment of what the prophet Joel hundreds of years earlier had predicted in Joel chapter two. Look what he says, starting with verse 16. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days, it shall be. God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. He says, that's what's going on. The spirit's being poured out. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men will dream dreams. He goes on and makes other descriptions there. In fact, theologians tell us it's a dual fulfillment because these things were happening right there. But some of the other things he goes on, talks about like the darkness and the, mud, uh, the, the sun turning blood red. That hasn't quite happened yet. That's still to happen in the future. So that's what they mean by dual fulfillment. But this part is what he was really saying, that this looks like Joel chapter two. It's God. And God's visiting us by his spirit upon us. And his spirit's coming upon his church and is taking his word and being elevated. You see what's happening here? The spirit's coming upon. Peter stands up. What does he do? He starts teaching the word of God. Remember I said spirit and word? Here it is right here. It's the spirit and the word. That's church. When church began, that's what it looked like. Look at verses 36 through 41, where we have the the conclusion of Peter's sermon. I don't have time to go through it all, but here's how he concludes, or at least it was recorded for us. Let all the house of Israel, verse 36, Therefore, know for certain that God has made him, that's Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So he ends talking about Jesus. And now here's the results. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls uh, to himself. And with many words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. (laughs) Kind of sounds like our generation, a crooked generation. Maybe we're primed for this kind of a thing. Verse 41, those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about three Thousand souls. That that's that's extremely outstanding, isn't it? I mean, w- when you think about it, um, sem- several people I've I've been around and read through church history. They seem to look at Acts two, and try and repeat this event. Um, I've even been in meetings where people get um, what I would call very emotional. Uh, and even look for some spectacular signs and look for uh, seeking some of these events to take place, like in this passage, whether it be uh, miracles or signs or wonders or speaking in tongues or whatever. And often it kind of fizzles. It doesn't, it doesn't have a lasting effect because it's, it's drummed up. I've even seen people doing what I would call crowd manipulation to make it happen. Maybe you've seen that or experienced that, too. It really, it, it really turns me off because it's not God anymore. It's us trying to make it happen, and you can't. Only the Spirit of God does it through us in faith, trusting Him on His word. Then the Spirit takes control. Um, he, in fact, how do you get filled with the Spirit? It tells us right in the passage. You do notice that? Look what it says, verse right here at the end, verse thirty-eight. And Peter said to them. Because they're saying, what should we do? What should we do? And you might be asking, what do I do? What do I do? I need the Spirit. I want to have church. I want to experience this God. I want a closer relationship with Him." Well, here's what he said. Well, what do I do? Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Really? It's that simple? Repent means to turn your direction, saying, okay, Lord, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm wrong. Remember the spiritual breathing thing that Bill Bright taught us? You know, in that same little booklet, he had this diagram. He'd, and, and, and if we could... Put it on a screen. That'd be great. But I had a circle in that diagram, in that booklet to change my life. He had a circle says, let's say this circle represents the entirety of your whole life. So imagine a circle here. Then he put a chair in the circle. He says, suppose this chair represents the throne of your life, the very command center, who's in charge and how you do things, where you, your will. And then let's put, he puts a little S at the bottom of the chair and he puts a cross on the top of the chair. So he's got a circle with a cross. On top of a chair with an S up below. He says the S represents you, yourself and the cross is Jesus. When you dethrone yourself from being in charge and let him be the Lord of your life is when the spirit fills your life. Oh my gosh. That's just what Peter said. Repent and be baptized. Baptism is a submission to him and a declaration of who your Lord and savior is. He says that's when you get filled. It's that simple. And for me, especially at that time in my life, I needed something that simple and that clear. For you, you needed to. I still need something that simple and clear. It's simply a spiritual process of breathing. Confess, breathe out my sin. Breathe in the presence of God, the filling of his spirit. No matter what you're facing today, fear, anger, frustration, lust or greed, pride, whatever it be, other people irritating you, the COVID virus bringing you to the edge. You're getting sick. Someone you love is sick. It doesn't matter. You can take anything to the Lord and you leave it there. You confess it, Lord, I can't carry it. And you ask him to fill you with your spirit, with his spirit. I've seen this true with people that are literally, uh, I don't have time to get into it, but even demon possessed, literally possessed by a spiritual being outside themselves. I've seen it. The demon literally talking through them to me. I don't have time to get into it, but talk about spectacular. I've seen it. And what do they have to do? Same thing, same thing. Get off the throne, put Jesus on the throne. I can try all kinds of other maneuvers with them and all kinds of different things to help them. They they don't work. The only thing that really works is when they dethrone themselves. I can't dethrone them. And they say, okay, in the command center of my life, the one in charge is Jesus. I will follow him. That's what Peter told him. That's what's still true for us. I've seen it with old Christians. People have been Christians for years, but somehow slipped Jesus off the throne and gotten themselves back up there again. Hey, I confess I've done that numerous times, holding a grudge or a bitterness towards somebody else or or or, 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 or not being loving to someone or kind or having, having a, a, a bout with lust or greed. Yeah, that happens. What do I need to do? confess it and put him back on the throne. Listen to me. That's what needs to happen in our church. That's what needs to happen in our country. That's what revival is when people put him back on the throne. Then the spirit fills us. Then he has control of our life. Now, the third point really brings it all home. It's the end of the passage. So after all this happened, we get to what one of uh, Luke's summary uh, paragraphs. Here's what he says. At the end, starting with verse 42. The resulting effect of being filled with the Holy Spirit is this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing their proceeds to all as everyone had need. And day by day, attending in the temple, together, there's that word again, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Now, to sum that up, I would say it's telling us they devoted themselves. That word devotion is used. They devoted themselves to love. That's why they were teaching one another and studying the teachings. Again, the word of God, having fellowship with one another. They were loving each other by breaking bread. Could be talking about communion, could our Lord's Supper. It could also be talking about just having meals together. I think both are involved. And they were praying together. These things all happened together, ecclesia, as the body of believers were together, loving on one another. It reminds me of a passage of scripture. Jesus predicted, this is like a fulfillment of Jesus' prediction. In John chapter, we just studied John, John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35 read like this. Remember, he said this to the disciples, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Wow. That's exactly what's going on here. Their major witness is their love for one another. It's demonstrated in this passage while while it tells us what to do. Let me ask you a question. What's the highest standard you can possibly hold yourself or anyone else to? The highest standard. Is it obedience? You do what I tell you to do, or you follow God's law and you follow God's word? Is that the highest standard? I don't think it is. Is the highest standard you can hold anybody to uh, just discipline or determination You just have to try harder. Is is the highest standard you hold somebody to, your pride? You know, like like the football team does. Like, hey, we're going to show them. We're going to show everybody. We're going to show the world we're better. We're the best team ever. Is it pride the highest standard? I'm telling you, it's not. The highest standard, mark my words, anybody can hold themselves to or anyone else to is love. You're going to love people. You're going to have God love you. You're going to love yourself. The highest standard I can hold myself to or anyone else to in my life is love. That's why Jesus said, by this all people will know you're my disciples by your love for one another that's what's going on here at the end that's what luke's trying to tell us by all the things they're they're selling their possessions and taking the money and giving it to the poor and giving it to needy people they're teaching they're having fellowship they're breaking your bread they're praying together they're living like in a commune together they're all together how was that reflected their love their love their love was so obvious they were committed they were living out the love of god how did that love get there To really have church means to really love each other. We can do a lot of things in our church, have a lot of buildings and do a lot of teaching, a lot of stuff, but if we don't have love, we're not church. And this passage, this whole chapter is teaching us how to get it. We get it by being filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, I can't do it. I don't know about you, but I have a hard time sometimes loving people. This is why I said, and I continue to say, and I've learned in 40 years of ministry what I sign every letter with, a quote out of of, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verse eight, love never fails. This is what I'm trying to say, just what this chapter teaches us. Love never fails. Love is how we have church. Love never fails. Love never ends. It can be translated that way too, meaning that this is the most powerful thing in our life. The highest standard you can hold yourself to is the love, but the problem is we all fail, we can't do it. In Romans five, verse five, we're taught by the apostle Paul that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by who? By the Holy Spirit. That's how this is all connected together. The only way they ever got to where they need to be here, being this witness for God, being these people that were loving one another is the Holy Spirit came upon them. This is why this chapter is so essential for you to grab a hold of. So important for you to understand the process of spiritual breathing. So important that you understand about you being on the throne versus God being on the throne of your life. And I'm challenging you today to go with me on this journey of being the church by putting God on the throne of your life. That means when, you know, like in Galatians chapter five, it lists the fruit of the spirit. Here's the resulting effect you're going to have. He says, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, uh, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. That that That's the fruit of the spirit. And when I notice I don't have those things in my life is when I notice, oh boy, I must be on the throne again. I must need to confess again. I, I must need to to put Jesus back as Lord of my life again. I need the filling of the Spirit because this is the this is the result of the fruit of the Spirit—not jealousy and pride and arrogance and selfishness and depression and all the other things that I get involved with. I need those are like warnings to me. Those are like callings to me. Come on, come on. You need the Spirit. Come on. You don't have the love in your heart. So when I don't feel the love. When it's not there, and that's the first fruit of the Spirit, love, the love of God, or I'm not feeling the peace or the patience or the kindness, I go, oh boy, these are warning signs that I'm being filled with just me again. And I can't be church, and I can't have church, and I can't be what God wants me to be, and I can't be close to God. I asked you at the very beginning, how's your relationship with God? Maybe you gave yourself a four or five. Maybe you gave yourself an eight or nine. I don't know, but I know to go further. You're needing to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And these, this passage of scripture is like a a, a calling to you. Come on, be filled with the Spirit. Can I pray with you about that? Let's do it right now. Let's, let's pray right now for the filling of the Spirit in your life and in mine. Dear God, we want to be your church. We read this passage and it just seems so elevated, so beyond us, so spectacular and miraculous. And yet it's not. It's all possible. For any one of us, for us as a body of believers, as the church, it's really possible. If we all just repent and get baptized, if we all just repent of our sin and turn to you and say, Lord, fill me. Peter said, you want the filling like we got it? You can have it. Just repent and turn to the Lord. Baptism means making him the Lord again, putting him on the throne of your life. So Lord, we come before you. If you got a sin in your life right now, God's revealing something to you in your conscience, just confess it. Let me me just be quiet. Lord, show anyone listening to this an unconfessed sin. Something that maybe they aren't guilty about, that maybe they should be guilty about. Something that makes them walk in the darkness instead of walk in the light. Then all you do is you take that before the Lord and say, Lord, please forgive me. Lord, I'm struggling with this. Lord, forgive me. Heal me, change me. Maybe it's an addictive pattern. Whatever it be, the way you get out is spiritual breathing. Turn to the Lord. Put the Lord back on the throne of your life. Lord, I know you offer your spirit to everyone who will confess and put their faith in you. And that's what I'm asking all of us to do right now. Go ahead, tell the Lord that. In your own heart of hearts, your own evaluation. Say, Lord, you got to move me from a five to a six or a seven. You got to move me up. Okay, maybe I'm not going to jump to a 10 right now, but Lord, I'm going the wrong way. I've fallen from the Lord. I've fallen away from that great relationship I used to have. Lord, I'm putting you back on the throne. I'm stepping down. Take control of the throne of my life and make me the kind of person you want me to be. Lord, I pray that for a whole church, that you would make us the true church of God because we're truly people filled with your Holy Spirit. I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.